Welcome to Dead House. I am Dylan. I'm Nathan. And we have uh, had a, a very joint weekend. We uh, saw each other yesterday for most of the day, and here we are yet again. Mm-hmm. We didn't sitting. see this much when we lived together. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to uh, the Queensland Museum yesterday because they have this, um, what was it, Dinosaurs of Patagonia mm-hmm. exhibition, mm-hmm. and uh, very keen. I think you, you and Alex spotted it a while back. and um, You being the massive dinosaur fan, thought you'd like it? Yeah, well, I used to love dinosaurs as a kid, and um, I think to the point where I was even like, for a period there, wanting to be a paleontologist or something. I thought you were going to say wanting to be a dinosaur. <laughs> no, no. Like, loved Jurassic Park, had all these, like, dinosaur toys and clothes and stuff, and yeah, it was cool seeing, um, seeing what was it, the world's largest dinosaur skeleton. Uh, I dare say, yes. Patago Titan, if I recall correctly. How long was it? How many meters do you remember, or feet? I don't know, man. 19, 20? Was, there was definitely a nine in it. <laughs> It was large. Yeah. I feel like everyone, when they're that age, though, gets either, like, they get a personality. Yours was mm-hmm. dinosaurs. Mine was, I guess, Star Wars. Had a lot of Star Wars toys. Yeah. You get okay. the kids that are into construction, mm. trucks. What else is there? I don't know. I ended up, like, being into King Kong and Goosebumps. I uh, took the folks out for another brunch this morning. We mm-hmm. went to, mm-hmm. to a local Italian restaurant. Had the bacon egg calzone, which I so often talk up. <laughs> and uh, they were moderately impressed. It was, oh, well, it was good. good. That's yeah. good. I've still not placed, checked that place out. Yeah, I think you need to go. Basil and Vine in Burpengary <laughs> for you North Brisbane folk listening to this pod. Suss it out. Very nice coffee as well. And uh, I watched a movie yesterday. I watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, you said you were going to watch that? Is it yeah. good? Is it all right? I did not enjoy it. Okay, what a raving <laughs> review here. I wanted to see the movies, and I don't know why, just because I saw it was like a new horror, but it's, it's kind of like a modern day whodunit. And none of the characters are likable, which is the, <laughs> it is the point because like, I'll, I'll admit I did enjoy the twist. It was okay. very cool, but they deliberately give the characters like toxic personalities so you don't like them. Oh, that so, old classic like slasher. Yeah. To make them unlikable so you enjoy watching them die. Mm, so as the story unfolds and they start turning on each other, you can see why. But uh, yeah, it was like, I, I actually turned it off like halfway through. Oh and I was my. Like, okay. It's like when you start a book, I was like, no, I got to finish it. I got to see what happens. It's only 90 minutes. And uh, yeah, I could take it or leave it, to be honest. Good Lord. Well, I guess I won't watch that one then. Yeah, but uh, you did watch a very good film that we are discussing today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get Out. All right, I will, but you can record <laughs> the podcast alone. Get Out. I've had that joke saved since you told me we were doing that. Very nice. I think only I find that funny. Very good. Anyway, yeah, Get Out. Directorial debut of Mr. Jordan Peele. Yeah, 2017, so another newbie. And uh, one that is largely considered one of the better horrors of this century. For sure. I mean, uh, has a lot to say, that's for sure. It uh, mm. pretty much spring-launched his career. He's made, what, two movies since then with a, another one upcoming that I think I think is untitled. Yeah, okay. So we had Get Out in 2017... Then we had Us in 2019 yep. and Nope last year. Which that is correct. Until now, was the only other Peel film you've seen, right? Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen Us. Although mm. I was talking to Alex and she said Us is her favourite of the three she's seen. See, I've got to watch it again because I saw it in the movies, but I don't remember too much. I just remember being somewhat confused by the ending. But, I mean, uh, that does kind of sound like uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, <laughs> but it's cool because he wrote, directed and co-produced this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like his his baby, and uh, I think I read that he had over like two hundred drafts of the script, um, and it's a Bloomhouse production as well. So that caught me off guard. I didn't know that. Mm. Which, and then I looked up the budget for it, and four and a half million. That makes sense. Like, yeah, Bloomhouse, just another another case of them like trying out. Uh, you mm. know, let's give them five or so million dollars for this director that hasn't actually yeah. directed anything, like any movie before, and just like, see how it goes. Seeking out. Talented, independent, emerging directors, giving them a, enough to get them over the line and leave them to their own devices. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it definitely worked. And uh, I mean, I had never really had too much to do with Jordan Peele. Like, obviously, there was the Keen Peele show and like a few sketches mm-hmm. that I've seen on YouTube that were pretty funny. But <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is this is sick. Because um, I saw this in the movies, and uh, I don't think I like knew much about Jordan Peele. Um, but now seeing like the other films that he's made. He has such just an original and unique vision and mm-hmm, uh, yeah. it's really refreshing. And apparently, like, even though he is famous for his, like, comedy skits, apparently horror is his favorite genre and John Carpenter is one of his biggest influences. 
I like that. I mean, that kind of makes sense with like the opening scene of this movie. Yeah. It's a very like John Carpenter-esque neighborhood. Yeah, the suburban like, oh, Maybe street. that's just all of, that's what America looks like. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. been there. But uh, yeah. And do, have you seen many of the Keen Peele sketches? I've seen a couple. Uh, the ones that jump out of the Gremlins 2. The Gremlins 2 one. one. That's, that's good. Uh, the old, oh, where it's like the president or someone, like the black president going down the line, like greeting each person. Yeah, yep. That's yep. A funny. I think my favorite is um, when he clears the browser history of his wife's computer. I don't think I've seen that one. <sighs> okay. She like ducks out to get groceries, comes back 15 minutes later and she's like, babe, what, what's happened to my browser history? <laughs> and he starts sweating. <laughs> There's like okay. this ominous music and this like close up of this sweat. Like dripping down his forehead. I've definitely seen that meme. Yeah, and then it ends up like just a hose gushing like down on his head by the end of it. It's it's fucking oh, funny. No, they stole that from Airplane though. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course starring Daniel Kaluuya, who was also in Nope, um, mm-hmm. and Sicario, if you've seen that. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't seen Sicario. Highly I've, recommend. I've heard, I've heard good things. I've not seen the sequel, but the first one was, was very nice. Very well shot as well. I don't know. It's not really my kind of movie. I don't really... not a big fan of either war or cartel, mm. like drug movies i'm not i'm not usually but this one was just really cool but then again i like emily blunt as well like she was in a quiet place that Mm -hmm. i enjoyed going on the train anyway uh and who else do we have allison williams she i'd man this is the third no second time i've seen her in a movie because she's in megan megan yeah i've still not seen that but i've got to uh she's better in this than she was in megan like Mm -hmm. she still plays a good character in that but there are aspects of her character that I won't get into because you haven't seen the movie, mm. that uh, kind of fall flat. Okay. But in this, she's like, man, she goes from a very believably in love woman like character mm. to just pure psychopath. Yeah. And does it like very well. Apparently, part of the reason that Peel cast her was because he knew audiences would trust her for her role in Peter Pan Live. Um, oh, like a, a TV movie y- or something? Yeah, like yeah. A, the family adaptation. And. Uh, it was a wise choice because something I only kind of realized after the film as well was you never see her alone. Whereas obviously you see Chris, the main character alone because like he's vulnerable and you're seeing the film through his perspective. Mm -hmm. But because you never see this um, woman who the audience and Chris suspects is innocent for much of the film alone, that kind of was a red flag for me. You don't see what she's really like Mm. alone. Because the only time you see her alone is... After it's already been revealed that she's a twisted son of a bitch. Mm, yeah, indeed. So that was cool. Drinking milk, as the psychopaths always do in Drink, movies. Drinking milk and like Fruit Loops separately. Yeah. <laughs> Eating a single Fruit Loop and sipping milk from a straw. That's... I mean, that's that's more symbolism. There's lots of symbolism. <gasps> like white separating people. the whites from the. No, it's separating the whites from the colors. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's so true. So deep seated, she can't even mix her cereal and milk. That's true. I also read that Jordan Peele included that just because he thought the concept of milk was gross. And he's like, that's something <laughs> white people would do. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, that was funny. Uh, Bradley Whitford playing the father, and Catherine Keener as the psychiatrist mother. Yep. Yep. So, I don't know. I she looked familiar, but I don't know what I've seen her from. He yeah. is my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite characters in um, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm in two minds about the dad because like he was so charming and I enjoyed his character, but then when you find that he's like the mastermind behind it all, it's like, oh, I don't want to like you, but you're. So charismatic. He's so charismatic that you, yeah, you like him, but yeah, I mean, he's got definitely got moments of comedy there. Like, mm. the, you know, I would have voted for Obama the third time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. And like you said, a budget of four point five million, but made two hundred and fifty-five point seven million. So box that's office a, hit. That's a little amount. Yeah, which is which is sick. And this came out the same year as it, Chapter One. So. Yeah, true. That's a, that's a, that's a very uh, profitable year for horror, it seems. Absolutely. And um, I wonder if maybe a lot of that was because people were just keen to see like his foray into horror. Because Jordan Peele obviously already had a following mm. from his, his comedy show. but People are just like, oh, yeah, let's, let's check it out. Mm. House. He said that he was nervous that uh, it wouldn't do well in ticket sales because he didn't want to make white people uncomfortable watching this if they were seated next to black people in a theatre audience. Okay, odd. I mean, (laughs) it it definitely makes white people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And uh, the entire film was shot in 23 days, which... That's quick. Is, uh, yeah. That's bloody quick. I mean, I guess that makes sense then because like there's no... uh, Yeah, there's no giant set pieces. There's no really big action sequences. Mm. So it's kind of a simple movie. It's a lot of... 
drama and acting inside a mansion. Yeah. Like the closest you get is uh, like the car crash scene at the end. Yeah. Because I the most was elaborate thing. Thinking about that, and there's actually not a lot of action sequences as a whole. It's just like largely unsettling. Yes. Oh boy. Unsettling is a good word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, premiered at Sundance, which oh, is yeah. nice. Um, and Jordan Peele actually won Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for this, which very much deserved because, like, it was it's smart, it's funny, and it's unique. Everything that I want in a person. Yeah, it's, it's a tick, t- <laughs> tick ticks all the boxes. Um, yeah, it's very very original for a 2017 film. Yeah, I mean, when people say that there's no original horror movies anymore, this man comes along, he's like, boom, take this, sons of bitches. Mm. And apparently he had the story for a while and just didn't know if he wanted to adapt it for his first film, like his debut feature, particularly horror. But uh, I think when there was the rise of like the Black Lives Matter movement um, and all this kind of thing, he's like, yeah, no, this is time. And I wonder (laughs) if that contributed at all to its success. But yeah, really cool concept. And brilliantly executed. So I suppose we should run through like a simple premise um, for anyone who may not have seen it. Okay. To put it simply, I would say <laughs> this young African-American man is taken to his white girlfriend's family's house to meet them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And essentially... Uh, Shit goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. It all seems well on the surface, but then there's this big kind of family gathering over the weekend that they go there and he uncovers all these dark secrets about their history and yeah, it turns out these people are not who they seem. Not even slightly. And uh, I, I think it's set in upstate New York, but it yep. was shot in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I think initially they were going to shoot it in California, um, in Los Angeles. But there was like this massive curveball like a month out from shooting where they had to change it. And Peel reckons it actually worked out for the better. But he specifically didn't want to have it set in like the southern states because of the stigma around the racism i I guess guess that makes sense because like if people would watch that and they were set in some southern deep red state where they're stereotypically racist Mm. it's like well of course this is happening in a racist you know family racist state yeah but if it's set in somewhere that's either more ambiguous or somewhere that's not stereotypically like a bunch of racist people Mm. it's like oh shit well this could happen anywhere yeah yeah and it's definitely also that like thinly veiled racism or like the backhanded compliments or that kind of thing that happens in daily life yeah yeah uh and so obviously some substantial social commentary on uh racial tension uh in america and uh it's interesting speaking about this coming off the back of Candyman as well so we can see a film that was you know released early 90s and then you got a film released in the late 2010s um, just seeing like a different take on it. Very similar in like sort of tone. Like, oh yeah, there's a main, not well, I guess one of the main characters is like mm. black led. There's uh, a lot of racial stereotypes. There's a lot of like hypnotism going on. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a nice parallel. And also yes. because Candyman is set in like housing projects and then this is set in like upper class. It goes from lower class to upper class. But the same thing is happening. Like I thought that was interesting. Okay. He's definitely shot it and written it in a way that black audiences watching this film can resonate with it and it's almost in like if you knew if you know you know oh, in that okay. kind of way yeah. I don't know how to word that but I mean I think he does a good job of even if you're a, a white man like myself and you so we don't have <laughs> we can't talk about a lot of things in this yeah because uh, we haven't lived that life but it, it it's easy for like a white person to watch this and like understand oh yeah that's probably what their lives are actually like in real life yeah to relate to it yeah like relating to it without having lived it, mm. probably made a lot of people go, oh, well, I didn't realize it was like that. Yeah, that party scene was crucial to this film, mm. just to see how like some of these day-to-day interactions where maybe to an average white person may not like realize what it means. Like what? Give me an example of that. Like, uh, for example, when they're like profiling him and they're like touching his muscles. and Well, I, I like that scene very much. Because it's like a it, it takes on a whole new meaning once mm. you get towards the end of the movie and find out the twist. Yeah. Because like yeah, like you said, when the first time you watch that scene, it just seems like oh yeah, there's a lot of old white people that have never encountered a black man before. Mm. So they're doing like oh let's touch him, let's stereotype him, seeing if he's good at golf. But then once you go back after knowing the twist of okay, yeah. so the, twist, the twist of this movie is that they're implanting old white motherfuckers' brains in young black man's bodies. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then like, so that, that party scene takes on a new tone of, ne- they're no longer like racially profiling. They're like shopping. Mm. They're like, oh, the golf man wants to see his golf swing because he's a potential buyer. And he's like, okay, I want to see if, oh, if this yeah. body will be good for me. And then there's like the old lady saying like, oh, what'd she say? Is it true if like black men are better in bed? Yeah, yeah, and it's because, fucked. And <laughs> because she's looking for a new body for her husband. So she wants, you know, yeah. the new body to be good. Yeah, it's it's definitely very well written. And that reveal is so rewarding. Um, I did for not. For all the big setup. I did not see that coming. Like, yeah. obviously you get that there's a sense of something's wrong. Mm. Like you, you think that, well, at least I thought okay, they're just hypnotizing black people to be like slaves. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very, that could be a very surface level movie and they could have mm. just stopped there and it wouldn't have been as good. But then he's like, nah, let's let's go deeper. Let's, yeah. let's flip it. And so that, no, they're not just hypnotizing them to be their slaves. They literally want to <laughs> inhabit their bodies. Yeah. Even like at the dinner table when he meets the brother of his girlfriend Rose for the first time and he's like, oh, someone of your frame and genetic makeup. Yeah. If we trained you up, you'd be a fucking beast. Like gave me like very strong, like Django Unchained vibes where they have like, mm. like in real life back in the day, make they, them had, wrestle they just had and stuff. make them fight and all the, all the like, black yeah. people were prize fighters. Yeah. Slaves. Just throwing money at them like they're strippers, but yeah. they're literally fighting to the death with their bare hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucked. Um, but yeah, shopping, that's a good, very good term for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then even the, like the one old white guy that you think is good. Mm. Like, what's his name? Jim Hudson, I think it was his name. The art dealer. The, art, the, the blind, blind art, art dealer. dealer. Like, oh, you think, oh, okay. There's a, here's a, a decent character that's actually fucking normal for once. Mm. But even he's like, no, um, I want you because of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Because he was saying like, he dabbled in photography, but then when he went blind, he just settled for being like owning a, galleries. A dealer, yeah. And being a dealer. Yeah, so it was good to to have that motive, like that seed planted in there mm. early on. Oh, this this movie plants so many seeds. Yeah, like even like a very small one is when they are sitting and like drinking iced tea or something. Mm. What, what's the what's her name in the movie? Rose. Rose is the girlfriend. Yeah, Rose is like surprised that this event is happening at this time, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, it happens the same time every year." And that's kind of a nothing comment, but then you realize later, like it helps with the reveal that she's in on it because mm. she knows that it happens every year. So yeah, she's pre-ordained. obviously in on it. Mm. Yeah. And talking before about the hypnotism, which I actually forgot about that before we decided this was going to be the next film <laughs> we reviewed. I was like, oh, there's so many tie-ins to Candyman. Um, I love that in the last episode, we were talking about how people that use hypnotism to quit bad habits are scam <laughs> artists. And they're like, yeah, no, it definitely worked. <laughs> yeah, literally, they start this with the hypnotism to quit smoking. Yeah, but I do like uh, the hidden meaning behind it. Like, at surface level, it looks like it's to, like, conserve his health. But really, it's because they don't want to damage the organs. Yeah, and that's the same with, like, I guess the dinner scene where he wants, like, the brother wants to wrestle or fight him. Yeah, I was like, yeah. no, don't, because you're going to fucking hurt the merchandise. Yeah, yeah. It's Once you get that reveal at the end, so much of the <laughs> slow bulk of the film makes sense mm. and it's, you understand that it was necessary. Oh, yes. And all the pieces just kind of fall into place. But that opening scene where we mentioned before, it was, like, the Halloween-esque, like, suburban neighbourhood... I'm pretty sure it's all a single shot as well, which reminded me of It Follows. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that because there is like the the car like pulling around and following him. Yeah, it's like the the ex boyfriend getting abducted. Um, no, there's no ex boyfriend, isn't it? No, definitely not an ex boyfriend. Okay, I don't believe so. Just a random African American male. Well, unless you picked up on that, but I didn't think so. Uh, okay, fuck maybe. Well, anyway, <laughs> well, I, I assumed it was because he's on the phone to Rose. Oh, is he? And okay. she's like giving him directions. And then oh, the dad or the man. brother. I'm a big fuckhead. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I also liked that the opening credits were this like turquoise color, which was like The Shining. Sure. I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but <laughs> yeah, sure. I just thought that was cool. Uh, and then you've got like Run Rabbit Run playing from the car stereo when the doors open and he's abducting that Is that guy. a famous song? It's an old song from like the 30s, I think. Ooh, and okay. just the lyrics kind of sound like... You know, essentially like being chased by someone who's trying to right, capture okay. you. So, I thought that was a, a very, nice very touch. Fitting. Yeah. And I like when they first show Chris's apartment and they introduce him as the main character and they infer that he's this photographer and there's all these prints on his walls, but they're all in black and white, mm-hmm. which was again like symbolism, I guess, of the the racial tension. 
and then when he's packing for the weekend away with Rose's family and he stops and he's like, do they know I'm black? Mm-hmm. That was really good because <laughs> does it need to be said? Because like in modern society, like it shouldn't have to be Yeah, declared, that, that's right? an answer that I'm not qualified to... Uh, that's a question I'm not qualified to answer. Yeah, yeah. Do you need to tell your parents that you're dating a black person? No. Yeah. It's like if People you, should just get the fuck over it. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I thought that was really interesting. But it's yeah, but it is like another instance of that is, I'm sure, something that a lot of black people have to deal with. Like, mm. okay, just to avoid an awkward situation later, do they know this? It's or like elephant they, in the room. Yeah, are they going to be shocked that I'm there? Yeah. Like, I've always taken that for granted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, like, I, I wouldn't have to think of that. I mean, apart from us having tattoos, like, I don't think we've ever been anxious to meet like a partner's family or anything. I'm always anxious to meet my partner's family. What the hell are you on about? <laughs> I mean, you had a dinner last night with uh, Alex's yes. family that would have been questionable. No, the family's fine. I just get anxious meeting anyone. <laughs> well, well, that's true. And that many people in a strange place as well. Mm-hmm, I get mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's it's interesting to the whole like hypnosis thing where the mother, the psychiatrist mother who puts him under... Um, when she like stirs the spoon around that mm-hmm. teacup and makes him like fall into the sunken place, yep. so he's paralyzed, and she gets him to recall the night that his mother died in a hit and run, and she was like left on the side of the road, but he mm-hmm. never called mm-hmm. for help because he just watched was TV. scared and yeah, watched TV waiting for her to come home. I really like that callback um, when they hit the deer when they're driving mm-hmm. to the family house, and because there's this really like long segment there where he's obviously affected by that um and rose is just kind of treating it as like hitting a bird or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you've got like the deer head on the wall in front of him later in the film when Mm -hmm. he wakes up in like that games room strapped to the chair before the operation um i really liked that as well and apparently the noise when the deer gets hit by the car was jordan peele Oh, yeah. A bit of a voice actor. (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty funny. And even the tension there when the cop comes and asks for Chris's license Mm -hmm. and Rose is like, but he wasn't driving. What do you need to see his license for? Yeah, but looking back, though, that's like that can be seen as her standing up for him because, you know, she's protecting him. Mm. Or it could be seen as she doesn't want to make a paper trail. Like if the cop sees his license, then he'll know that he's there with her. And if Mm. it ever comes up later, put two and two together. So it's more of a protective thing for her. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But while we're talking about that deer, how he gets introduced to the family for the first time and the father goes on this rant about like treating them like vermin. And he's like, oh, look, I see one dead on the road. One down, you know. That's a good very, work, I very say. thinly, like that's a very on-the-nose euphemism, surely, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because even when he's giving Chris the tour and he's like, don't go in the basement. It's full of black mold. <laughs> like, God. All these little things here that, like you said, are so on the nose. But uh, I don't but know. He, it's it's he, beautiful. He says it charismatically enough that you think, oh, maybe it is just he's fine. He's okay. Yeah. But no, there's there's still that sense of there's meaning behind those words. Because that's also when he makes like the Obama comment in the backyard as well. Yeah. Uh, I love that reveal of the the servant couple how later in the film it turns out they were like previous partners of Rose that they've lured there, mm-hmm. including the maid. Yep, Georgina. Georgina, yeah. And then it, you later find out that it's the grandma <laughs> and grandpa's brains transplanted to their bodies and mm-hmm. just so they can stay there looking after the grounds. Like, it's so messed up. Uh, yeah, and, and I love how the dad is like, I know how this looks. <laughs> um and he's yeah, kind of says, yeah, look, um, they were hired by my parents, so we just couldn't bear to let them go when they died. And yeah, it's just, again, like one of those comments made early in the film that comes full circle by the end. And it's just so brilliantly orchestrated. And what about that scene when like the groundskeeper is sprinting towards Chris at night? That's a really good scene. I like, because you don't often see a scene like that in movies where it just yeah. plays with the like, the depth of vision of the camera. Yeah. I feel like a lot of movies you watch are very... I mean, even though they're three-dimensional, they're very two-dimensional, mm. like screen left, screen right. Mm. Whereas this is, wow, there's a there's a character way in the background and he's sprinting full force at the camera. Yeah. And I, I do like the use of like the camera as a POV shot of mm. okay, it's directly at the camera. And then there's another one, I think it's in the hypnosis scene where it's a lot of back and forth, like them looking directly at the camera. Yeah, very, yeah. I don't know. 
Silence of the Lambs esque. Yeah, okay. Like when they're having their their conversations. Mm. Yeah, and like that must be hard to do. Like just sprint towards someone at the last minute, veer off <laughs> without uh, losing your footing. We'll give it a go. I think yeah. my knees would break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's interesting you say that because I suppose when you see in other horrors, if someone's being chased by someone, um, a lot of the time, like that character that's being chased, the victim will be in frame. Whereas yeah. this is, yeah, literally just looking at this guy sprinting towards the audience. And mm. it definitely makes you uncomfortable that it's just like a static single long shot. Puts you in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, that whole hypnosis thing, like, we've got to talk about that because that's, like, a big chunk of the film because that is obviously how you learn all the the black servants and the black guests are being, like, held captive mm-hmm. is they're entranced by the, the mother putting them under. Well, no, they're not being held... They're not entranced being held captive. I'm pretty sure they are, like, essentially brain dead. So you think they've already had, like, the transplant? Yeah, for sure, because they have the scars on their forehead. Mm. In the end, you find out. Okay. I think, like, it's revealed that a flash, like, photography does fuck that up and allows, like, the original consciousness to come out. Yeah. Which is strange. I don't know if it's... I don't know how I feel about it. It's maybe a bit too um, convenient. Mm. (laughs) But it's good enough. I guess there's got to be a way to end the movie, propel it. The hypnosis (laughs) is just, like, uh, an in-the-meantime way to get them to that point. That's true. And I guess that might also set up a double bluff as well because like when Chris is on the phone to his friend Rod who's looking after his apartment and feeding his dog and he says, oh, like she's hip- hypnotizing them all to use them as sex slaves. Yeah. Um, and then when you find out like, oh, okay, maybe that is the case because of the camera flash. But then at the end you see like um, you notice all the the black people that are on the property either have like headwear or mm. their hair is worn in a way that like falls over their face that explains that it would just be covering a scar. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, it's much worse than they're just in a trance. <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> They've been operated on. That's not, not not a bad point of the movie by any means, but it's, I think, the weakest part for me because to really believe this movie, you have to buy into the fact that someone can just easily hypnotize someone like that. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm I can suspend my disbelief long enough. It's just like, if you can't, just accept that, an old lady can stir a spoon mm. and hypnotize someone just like that and then all of a sudden have con- complete control over them. Yeah. Then you're not really going to buy into the movie. Well, she even explains that to Chris when she first tries on him because he kind of asks how it works and she explains it's like the power of suggestion. Um, some people are more susceptible to it than others kind of mm. thing. So I do like that they kind of break that down. Like as a viewer, you'd be like, yeah, there's no way that that can actually happen. And then she like talks through the process and that's when he realizes that she's actually doing it and yeah. she's explaining it. That's such good acting from Daniel Kaluuya as well. Like just the single tear well, rolling re- down the cheek. I read that that's the, well, I assume it's that scene is the one that got him the role. Like, in oh, the, okay. I read that in the audition, they had to do a scene, like a crying scene mm. and he nailed it in like, I think they did it three times and he nailed it every time with oh. the, the tear coming down at the exact same time. Oh, nice. And nice. like he, he's, we talked about the other actors, but he's definitely the standout actor in this movie. Mm, I, for sure. Was this his, like, big movie? I think... Debut, or was he... Because he said he was in Sicario, but was he a big role in that? Yeah, he was, like... What do you call it? Like, a secondary character, but okay. I think he was in a show before Get Out, and I he, think that's where Jordan Peele okay. first liked him. Because I... <laughs> I've only ever seen him as, like, secondary characters. Like, he was in... Yeah. Fuck, way back in the day, Skins... Oh, the, okay. The, the British TV show. He was a like a minor character in a couple of those episodes. Interesting. He was in one episode of Doctor Who because he's British, so of course he mm. has to be in fucking Doctor Who. I think it was in Black Panther, right? Yeah, it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I haven't he was seen in, it, but he was in Black Panther. Yeah. Or was that when did that come out? Was that after 2017? Surely, surely. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Mm. Um, yeah, and so he's British as fuck, but he does a <laughs> he does a good uh, American accent. I mean, look at half of the Walking Dead cast playing Southern yeah. accents. Yeah. True. Um. But yeah, that's it's just so convincing because um, he's like looking down the barrel essentially mm-hmm. as well. Like the camera's right at him and he's just like tears streaming down his face at some points. Um, and then when he like falls into what she calls the sunken place and it's just like this like window of his eyes is like a projector screen of the, the mother like opposite him on the lounge and she, he's just kind of like falling into this oblivion. Mm-hmm was really nicely done. And I read that was predominantly practical with some enhancement from okay. CGI. You ever had a dream where you're like underwater and you're just trying to move, but you fucking can't? 
Or not even underwater. Like no. you're in you're in the real world, but you're moving as if you're underwater. So you like go to punch something and you're just like trying to punch through water or like you're trying to run but you just okay. can't. Like I, the impedance. Yeah. You're saying you haven't had those dreams? No, but I've had sleep paralysis okay. once. That, have you I, had sleep paralysis? No. Okay. And I'm very glad I've not. Yeah, it's such I've only ever had it the once and it was like a few years ago. And it's so weird <laughs> that I like research the experience and other people have like exactly the same thing, but it's so specific. Damn. I just find that really odd. I've, yeah, was... I've, I've looked up sleep paralysis and like read about it and yeah. heard about it, but I hope to never have it because yeah. that sounds awful. It is so strange and it's terrifying because like, as the name suggests, you can't move and mm. it's, I think they explain it as like the brain waking up before the body or something. Yeah, it's, it's a disconnect because when you go to sleep and you go into REM sleep, mm. Uh, your brain disconnects your body so that you're not thrashing around as yeah. if you're running in a dream. God, yeah. And then it's like a, I don't know, just a glitch in your brain where it turns that off, mm. but then you're still awake. Yeah. Or the opposite, like you start waking up, but your brain doesn't wake your body up yet. Yeah. Like it, it's probably only for like a couple seconds, but it feels like a <laughs> lifetime because yeah. um, like what I experienced and what I read online that many other people do as well is I woke up in my bed and I was like facing the wall and I just like felt like this presence was behind me, like someone standing on the other side of the bed. Like I didn't see anyone, but I could just feel it, just knew it. Was this when you were living with me? Because I might have a reason for that. <laughs> uh, I knew there was a reason you wanted to be the big spoon. Um, and I just like sensed this person behind me. And then I got this like loud whoosh in my ears and I couldn't move. And I tried screaming, but nothing came out. And then after like what felt like 10 seconds or so, I just like yelled out. Jeez, see that? Yeah, that's the scary stuff. When people start explaining they're like, there's a demon and like you look into the corner yeah. of the room and there's a like a literal demon or person there, oh, a shadow man that's watching over you. Yeah. See, why can't it just be paralysis and you hear the whoosh sound in your ears? Why does it have to have that <laughs> fucking demon thing at the end of your bed? Like, what know. the fuck brain? That's, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, back, I guess, on the hypnosis thing and how like the camera flash like broke it. I thought it was smart as well that he used... His phone, like even though he's a photographer and he's literally at that party with a DSLR around his neck, I like that they have him use his phone because then he can send the message to his friend and that's when he realizes it's a guy they used to know. Mm -hmm. It flows very well, yeah. narratively speaking. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no plot holes in this story, which is very nice. There's, there's no plot holes in this story? I don't think so. Do yeah, you I think there is? The, the only, no, not, not generic plot holes. I hate, I hate people that like go into a movie and just try to pick it apart and find mm. plot holes and like, oh, well, this is a shit movie because this one thing didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so I try to overlook a lot of that stuff. But the only thing that was kind of strange was uh, when he actually goes and talks to the groundskeeper for the first time. Yeah, when he's the, chopping wood. Yeah. And like the groundskeeper, you find out later, is the granddad. And so, but the groundskeeper is also the one that confirms that um, Chris was hypnotized. Because... Mm. I don't know. He like he obviously thinks it was just a dream. I'm yeah. guessing they're like set up that way. But then the grandpa's like, "No, you were with her." It's like confirming his suspicions. Yeah. If he had have just kept his mouth shut. Yeah, interesting. But that that's again, that's not a plot hole. That's mm. just I don't know, an odd thing. Yeah, I think that whole interaction was just put there as well to just be eerie to show their like lobotomized personalities. <laughs> yeah, like. Just, smiling at them like even you know that scene when what's her name georgina is it mm -hmm. the maid and she's like she gets confronted by rose about like unplugging chris's phone mm. so it can go dead and she's like oh i was cleaning the room and i just wanted to leave it as it was but she like steps closer and she's got this like huge smile on her face with like tears streaming <laughs> down her face as she inches closer like it's so disturbing yeah i mean obviously you you then sort of realize that that's the passenger inside is like yeah. still has some semblance of control of just crying. Yeah, just wanting uh, to get out. Yeah, but unintended. Those old white folks—they're just weird. Because even like, okay, they think, okay, my brain is gonna live in this young, you know, body, mm -hmm. but that looks shit. <laughs> like everyone who's who's been <laughs> transplanted is—they do. They look lobotomized. They look like they're just not there. Mm. It's who would want to live like that? I don't know. It's just kind of old, like this... rich white dudes, I guess. Yeah, just greedy. They feel they can live longer to enjoy their exorbitant lifestyle with the benefits of someone who's young and fit. Mm. And uh... I guess it kind of makes sense though, because like 
all essentially all they're doing is t- removing part of the brain, putting it in a younger body, mm. but you're still stuck with the original brain, which is still going to have like, yeah. you know, uh, decay and like yeah. aging, brain death. brain death. Like if you can't really stop dementia. <laughs> it might also be something to do with like wanting to fit in in a weird way because like one of the comments made at that party by a guy is like black is in fashion oh, or something. Yeah. So they're just trying to be young and hip. They just want to be hip again. Um, yeah. And I, on that camera flash thing, I wondered if maybe that whole sort of trance thing is like a metaphor for being brainwashed by the media. Good Lord. How do you, how do you reach that far? Go ahead. <laughs> hit me with it. So just like, cause so they're in a trance, right? They're like hypnotized and they're, they're acting and speaking in a way that's not them. They're expressing these desires and these wants that are not their own. But what breaks it is like having their photo taken. And it's almost like a reverse analogy of like photo media being used for like spreading propaganda in modern society. Okay. Yeah. That's, I will th- allow you to continue thinking that. Okay. There's something, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's something in that. I might not have fleshed my idea out. Enough. Well, I don't know. I mean, Obviously, fucking Jordan Peele puts enough symbolism and you know, mm. depth of meaning in so many of this fucking movie. <laughs> then uh, that it wouldn't surprise me that he's put something in there like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And I do like when um, Logan is it the Andre Hayworth who's the yep. the guy yep, yep, yep. that's got the hat and he like actually screams "Get out, get yeah. the fuck out." I there's something just satisfying when a film quotes its own title. Is it is that satisfying? I mean, I guess I like, I, I like when it's at like the crux of a an, like either emotional or action moment. Mm. But when it's just like, what are we, some kind of Suicide Squad <laughs> from fucking Suicide Squad? Oh, That's yeah. cringy as shit. That is bad. Yeah, but, but yeah. in this instance, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Well, he does that same in um, in Nope as well. Where mm. like, oh the, the yeah. Fucking alien. Well, yeah, the alien monster it is comes overhead and he's just like, nope, nope, nope oh, not I, I, Nope. I think it's when he thinks. There's like aliens on oh, his property. Yeah, 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 as well. And turns out it's like kids in masks and he's like trying to, he pulls out his camera phone. He's like, nope. Because <laughs> yeah. that's just what everyone would do. Like we've seen enough horror movies to know if weird shit is happening in the dark in a fucking barn or whatever, you're getting the <laughs> fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah, I would be. Because he like taps him on the shoulder. And he's like, oh, it's good to see your brother around here. And he like tries to confide in him and then goes to shake his hand and he gets like cabbaged. Yeah. <laughs> or he goes to like fist bump him. Yeah. And the guy like goes Explain to shake his to hand. Explain to what cabbaging is. So cabbaging is uh, this common awkward interaction uh, generally of the younger generations where you will go to fist bump somebody and they'll go to shake your hand. And what happens is they end up just closing their hand <laughs> gently around a closed fist. Looking like a cabbage. Looking like a cabbage. Yes. yes. Uh, I can't count how many times that's happened to me when I've been out. Explaining this to the, you know, older listeners who wouldn't know. <laughs> you know, I found out what Riz is the other day. Riz? I've heard people talk about Riz, like okay. like he's got Riz. Okay. It's charisma. Yeah, okay. I think that officially means I'm getting old. I I had to have lingo explained to me. I'll, I knew Riz was like, they've got it. <laughs> then they changed what it was. Um, I knew that was like, what made someone cool, but I didn't know until you just said it. It was short for charisma, and it makes sense, Mitch. Fuck, yeah, we're just we're old now, man. Oh, it fuck hurts. me. Yeah, that's rough. Um, also, why are all the elderly guests like dressed in black and rocking up in black cars like it's a goddamn funeral? Uh, well, I think you want to look at the symbolism of that as well. It's a bunch of white people who want to be black, like literally what the movie's about. They rock up, yeah, okay. inside a black okay. thing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, like I mean that. that's where my mind goes to. Yeah, like that makes sense. Because their characters are white people that want to become black. And so yeah. at the time, they're just dressing in black. Yeah, okay. I also, driving black cars. I also, and, the, and then the... What's the brother's name? Jeremy. He's driving a white car. So maybe that means he doesn't want to change. Oh, uh, interesting. I do like that moment when they're all having... They're all min- like co-mingling and they're having their conversations and Chris walks in up the stairs and they suddenly stop mm. and just like look up and listen to him upstairs. That's a very unsettling... Uh, yeah. Moment. What, what, why do you think they do that? Is that because the whole party is a charade? Mm. And like, okay, they're only there to mingle for his sake, to not arise suspicion. And so once he's upstairs, they're just, all right, no need to act when he's not here. Let's listen to what he's doing up there. I would think so. I think it was just kind of to show that absolutely everyone there is in on it. But in my mind, oh. I would have thought they would have kept the mingling up when he's not around because then they can talk about him okay no I, actually now you've said it 
that makes more sense to me. Yeah. It's just, it, it's the maybe the first instance of something is going on and now you see that everyone here is involved. Yeah, like he's the odd one out. Literally a flying milk. Not literally. Figuratively a flying milk. A flying milk? What the fuck? You've not heard that phrase? No. Oh. Is that an expression? It's just like when you're the odd one out. Okay. Standing out like a flying milk. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Sore uh, thumb. Dog's see, balls. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um... I also love the scene that comes, I guess, soon after that with mm. the silent auction. Oh, that's which, beautiful. It's, it confused me at first, obviously, because it's meant to, where it's like, okay, yeah. they're playing bingo, but everyone's holding it. He holds up one, everyone holds up a bingo card. It's like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? It's a weird bingo game. Mm. And then you sort of infer as the scene goes on that they're literally bidding on him with yeah. bingo cards. It's such a cool concept. With, with no word being said. Yeah, the fact that it's silent as well just makes it all the more creepier because it just kind of like... Zooms out on the father holding up the fingers and then like this like elaborate portrait of Chris. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're all just holding up I guess their, their yet, wages. Yet again in the movie. Maybe yeah. that's a metaphor for like the silent racism hmm. that's in the society where a lot of people have the racism but they don't outwardly express it. It's not they what just, you say, it's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. In terms of uh scariness of this movie it's definitely unsettling it's definitely creepy mm. i think as um, i mean i imagine a black viewer would find it a bit scarier than myself just distressing yeah because like you do get that like fish out of water or flying milk scenario fish out of water is the, the term i was looking for now you say <laughs> okay that they're sort of used to and it takes it to a step further yeah um and then in terms of like gore mm. this doesn't have too much of it until like the very end yeah and Man, medical gore. Yeah. Like, there's something different about it. Like, obviously, I was watching this morning with um, Alex. Mm-hmm. She could not watch the, the I guess you call it, the uh, brain surgery scene. Yeah. As soon as the, the scalpel goes in, she, like, turns her head, blocks the screen. Yeah. And, I, it's, it's, um... It, there's just something different about it. It makes it almost real. The father's, like, bringing the scalpel over the bald head of the blind art dealer. But then it shows, like, from the other side of the sheet, I think, covering his head that the blood like sprays on well eventually but you do there is a scene where he literally goes like the full at least half the head with the scalpel in his head cutting sure yeah so it's very looks very real there because that's kind of like a trickle of blood but then you just see him drop like a scalp in a waste bucket yeah and then he pulls out the bone saw and there's like the half skull gets Mm -hmm. chucked Mm -hmm. in the bucket as well very uh saw three-esque yeah with with the brain surgery there i loved the sound of it (laughs) <laughs> and when you can see the reflection of the brain in his glasses mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than actually showing the brain, that was cool. But that just reminded me of Treehouse of Horror episode from The Simpsons when Mr. Burns <laughs> just transplants Homer's brain into a robot. Yep. Oh, man. Is there anything that won't remind you of The Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> They've done everything, man. And also when Chris finds the photos of Rose with ex-partners, mm-hmm. That was really nice because obviously there's like 20 or so, including the servants. Yeah, I guess that in terms of not plot hole, but like that's another sort of moment in the movie where I'm like, why is that open? Mm. Why why is that room all of a sudden open? Why is he going in and looking at it? Why did she leave it there? Yeah. And then like afterwards, why does he sort of keep up the charade with her as long as he does? Mm. So he sees those and he, so that confirms that, all right, she's clearly in on it. Mm. And he keeps up the charade to get out of there to get the keys. But mm. then when he's downstairs and everyone in the family is very clearly like... Closing in on him. Closing in on him. He still is like, give me the keys. Yeah. Well... When he's just, yeah, he should just start flipping out and fucking beating cunts. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I, I like... I don't think it shouldn't be included. I like the scene. I just... That was yeah. Animal. It was a bit odd. Yeah, okay. that, that does pose the question, where are all those like ex-lovers? Because you only ever see the, the grandparents and the... Oh, Andre Hayward. Andre Hayward. Oh, Logan. Logan. I think you, he's you, those, those are the only three you see. So, yeah. are the other ones like failed attempts or mm. are they've just gone out into a different group? I don't know. Yeah, that's true because you never they see just, like they just didn't have the budget for that many people. <laughs> yeah. But it is weird when Chris wakes up strapped to that chair and there's that old like TV ad looking thing <laughs> that the grandfather did with shitty like wipe transitions. Yeah, yeah. Well, it reminded me of uh, You ever watch Lost? Oh, many, many years ago. I think it's like season three of Lost when like the Dharma Initiative, come, I'm sorry, Dharma Initiative uh, comes into play. Okay. They have videos similar to that and that, that mm. gave, like, gave me a lot of that vibes. Okay. Yeah. And when he calls it the, 
What, what does he Coagula? say? Coagula. Coagula, yeah. That's referring to like a metamorphosis, right? Because it shows uh, like a it's, butterfly hatching? It's, um, I believe it's an alchemy term. Okay. And it's like, it might be Latin for to join. Okay, yep, yep. Like, yeah, was it? Because I think alchemy is like, not slogan, but a, a, re- a phrase in alchemy is to separate and to join. And this well, is like the second half, to c- join. Because when blood coagulates, that's like... Joins together and thickens. Thickening and congealing, right? Mm. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, I thought it was pretty smart too that he like picks out the stuffing of the armchair to put in his ears to block out the sound of the spoon in the cup. Yet another metaphor for the old picking cotton is a uh, uh, yeah, is a racial true. term, especially back in the day, because they were slaves to pick cotton. That's fair. That's... So th- he's saved by picking cotton and putting it in his ears. That's funny because you saying that that's like blatantly obvious to me now, <laughs> but I just saw it as an analogy for like not hearing it when it's right in front of you. Like okay. all this racism, like choosing not to hear it, putting good, your head in the sand. Good lord, we we read that differently. Oh my lord, <laughs> how do we keep doing this? We keep watching. We're just different meaningful people, films man. and interpreting them differently. This is great. Yeah. Okay. And it's, also, also another like racial profile term is um like back in the day, a black man that sort of went against owners or authority was called a black buck, and okay. so the father being killed by a buck, mm. I guess, you know, being killed by a black buck. Yeah. Another sort of metaphor there. Yeah, I guess as well as the deer being hit, which also reminds of his mother, which is also about the guilt. <laughs> Man, there's just layers to this. Yeah. This film's an onion. Pretty gnarly end scene, like when he's escaping, because he kind of just takes out the entire family, um, except for Rose. Who, it, kills, who kills Rose? The grandfather. Grandfather, yeah. That's right. Then himself. Yep. Um... So he like clocks the son with a bocce ball or something. And what about the mum? She like stabs him through the hand with a letter opener and he just like thinks nothing of it. He never like looks like it bothers him at all yeah. for the rest of the film. I guess at that point it's sort of, she's just numb to everything. Just adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, I- it is nice to see that once he is free and, you know, capable, like he is mm. a capable man. He, he has no problem fighting back. It was just the hypnosis was his problem. Yeah, yeah. And I like when Rod arrives because he's like airport security. You just think it's like a cop car. Mm-hmm. And then there's that long pause of him on top of Rose strangling her. It's like, oh, fuck, here's going to be another. It's, it's um, going to be that like racist cop from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to be like wrongly accused. But then that um, that reveal of the friend was nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that was his, well, I don't know if it was the original, but that was an alternate idea that he had mm-hmm. was that it was just a cop and he was... Um, going to be arrested yeah and then he just had to live his life in prison but knowing that he succeeded and stopped them doing a bad thing mm. but then he as in jordan peele uh decided to be a bit more upbeat yeah and then was apparently happy with the applause that it got at the end yeah because it kind of makes you hold your breath and there's that that nice relief nice relief yeah yeah cool soundtrack this film as well like that kind of eerie gospel intro in i think swahili it was. Yep. So and, he, uh, I think the only English word they say is brother, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, when they have that intro- introductory scene with Chris in his apartment and you just get Redbone by yeah. Childish Gambino. Very nice. I love what that song. What a banger. Yeah. That was, that was, I think that was the first song from Childish Gambino I heard. It was huge when it dropped. Like, it oh, was yeah. everywhere. It I was mean, covered by okay. buskers. Actually, <laughs> actually, it was the first Childish Gambino song I heard, mm. but for the longest time, I did not know it was Childish Gambino. Yeah, it's so, so different, man. I'd heard that, and then later I heard, what, Camp and Heartbeat. Yeah. And then I found out it was the same guy. I'm like, holy mm. shit, this guy is talented. <laughs> Camp is one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. The first album is like 2010's Boom Bap. Second album's like Trap and like New School stuff. And then his third album is like Funk and Soul mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. R&B. Just such an interesting artist. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very nice to see someone who just doesn't stick with the exact same thing. But that's it. What 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 did you think? Get out, man! I loved it. I it's one it's another one of those movies that I didn't watch for so long because of the hype, mm. and so many people like praised it for being this amazing horror movie. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to be let down. Yeah. But I think I put it off for long enough that in my mind the hype was gone, so mm. I just came in fresh, like all right, this is just a movie. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, nice. I hoped you would. I don't think I talked this one too much, up did I? Uh, no. You you you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I think you definitely said you liked it a lot more than Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. I, I also, I also liked that. it more than Nope, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although, I, I don't know. I was thinking about Nope, because we keep mentioning it in this pod, I've thought about it more over the last couple of months, and the whole, like, every scene with the chimpanzee on, mm-hmm. like, the set of the sitcom 
really fucking good. Yeah. Like the meaning behind it, the way it was shot, everything about it. I think it. we need to watch it again. There's a guy at my work, Frankie, like loved that movie. Yeah. But I think he's just, he's really into aliens and okay. uh, the whole aliens built the pyramids and stuff. Yeah, right. I've okay. got to revisit Us because um, I think that might be better than I remember. Okay. But yeah, this is such a cool and original concept. Like this fucked up family of upper class American doctors that get their daughter to lure young black men home to transplant elderly white people's brains into them for a sixth sense of immortality. It's such... That was, a, be- that was a better description than you said at the beginning of, the, of this podcast. Why did you say that at the beginning? I don't know. Just it's, cut that, move it like 40 minutes <laughs> earlier. It's just, I don't know, just talking about it, you can like surmise it yeah. neatly after you've gone into it all. But it's yeah. so different and I love that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Chris will never trust a white person again. <laughs> Or even just women, probably. Yeah, yeah, that man is scarred. Such yes. a traumatic experience. I guess that's kind of like uh, similar to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like even though the movie is over and the ordeal's finished, yeah. you, you can clearly see that that's going to stick with them for the mm. rest of their lives. Mm. They've changed as a person. Yeah, yeah. Laughing as she's covered in blood in the back mm-hmm. of a pickup. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then beautiful this one, final shot. Yes. And then in this one, he's just completely silent. Yeah. Very impressive uh, debut feature by Mr. Peel. Yes. And uh, I also read that Chance the Rapper enjoyed it so much that he bought a bunch of cinema tickets, different theaters in Chicago, and on his socials just invited people to rock up with ID and enjoy it. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. If I had lots of money, I might do that. If I had more money, I would do that with Talk To Me. Hell yeah, actually, that's... It's just yeah. very unfortunate it dropped like the same weekend as Barbie and Oppenheimer because <laughs> it's obviously been overshadowed by all the meme behind mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, but it's such a fucking good film and I've still, I implore I've, everyone to see it. I've still be, like seen some... It's getting traction. I've nice. seen especially like the, the directors, the what is, I was going to call them, the Rucker Boys. The, um, what, what's their last name? Philippo? Philippo, yeah. Philippo. I've seen them like sort of getting more credit and more, mm. more exposure in the media, which is good. Yeah, so it's just... Hopefully it can find the heights that it deserves. It's so strange that it's still showing at theatres and they've already announced there's going to be a Talk To Me 2. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. Talk it's To Me. Like, I assume it's going to be the other hand. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, but then what? You have a, have a third move with the foot? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. It's lop off body parts. I'm definitely intrigued. Mm-hmm. But, we have uh, an email address. Yes, yes. yes. You've set up uh, an email account so we can have a direct line with mm-hmm. our five fans. That's it, yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's dead... House pod at hotmail.com. Correct. Yes. So, all one word. Uh, if you guys want to email us any suggestions, any movies you want us to watch, mm-hmm. any questions you have for us, yeah. send us an email through there. We'll be happy to look through them and talk about it. Indeed. Send us some questions and we'll we'll read them out mm-hmm. on, on the pod live. We'll answer them live. <laughs> so, an Fuck unfiltered we'll answer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. In, in the meantime, you can also check us out on just our social media, just Facebook. Instagram, Dead mm-hmm. House or Dead House Pod. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what, catch us every week on your favorite streaming service at yes. 5 p.m. I'm excited for the next one. This is going to be the first episode from one of our top fives. Oh, my. I forgot which episode it was. Actually, I still don't remember which one it was. <laughs> I think I do. I'll um, remind you after this. Yeah. 20-odd episodes deep and we're finally revisiting some of those big ones. I feel enough time has passed since we talked about them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll bear back.